MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 19th, 2019. Today, the Director of National Intelligence refuses to respond to a subpoena for the House Intel Committee, but then things changed. The Feds cut rates, an update on the Turnberry investigation, another pedophile is nabbed, Pompeo visits Saudi Arabia, a new national security advisor, and much, much more. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Amanda Reeder. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Julissa Johnson is on vacation. She'll be back tomorrow, so we hope she's relaxing uh, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe how much news there is today. There's so many newses. <laughs> and I, news day. I don't even know. It's usually Tuesday that's news day, but apparently Wednesday is now also news day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't have the same ring to it. But uh, anyhow, um, you have more shows coming up. Yes. And I'm excited about that. We've already announced those, but what do you got like Friday? Thank you. Um, on Friday, I am on a show at Baybridge Brewing. That's right. I think it is. That's a really good one. In Chula Vista, mm-hmm. I think. I should really confirm that. And Twigs is Saturday. Yes. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Friday Thank you for the shout out. Friday at Triple B, Bay Bridge Brewery. Yes. Um, they have a really good horchata, uh, yes, horchata they lager. Do. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. It's delicious. <laughs> I like everything horchata, honestly. Me, me too. Horchata it's trucks on every corner. Easy when you're in San Diego. There's horchata everything always. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Same with LA too. You see this place across the street from my building downtown on 8th and Spring had uh, horchata lattes. Oh, they were so good. Mm, God damn it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, we have so much news. We really should just kick it off with hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so um, we had some late breaking news, so we had to throw out the script and rewrite it really quick. So if I go through it and I say some old news, I'll correct it with the new news, and that's how it goes on Wednesday Newsday, which doesn't rhyme, but here we go. The big news Wednesday was that the acting director of national intelligence had until midnight Tuesday night to hand over a whistleblower complaint that the intelligence community inspector general deemed urgent and credible to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, or HIPSI. What uh, Adam Schiff, the chair of HIPSI, got instead was a letter from McGuire refusing to hand over the whistleblower complaint. Um, what this set up was that Schiff got a notice from the intelligence. It basically, I'll give you a little backstory, although you probably you probably already know it. Uh, Schiff got a notice from the ICIG, that's the Intelligence Community Inspector General, that notified his committee that a credible and urgent whistleblower complaint concerning national security was sent to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or ODNI. The problem is that by law, the Director of National Intelligence, or DNI, is required to send any complaint that the ICIG deems to be credible and urgent to the HIPSI within seven days. And Trump's acting DNI, uh, Joshua McGuire, failed to do so, uh, promoting... Or which pro- excuse me, which prompted Schiff and uh, Krishna Murthy, I believe, wrote wrote a letter asking for the complaint, like give it to us, and also issued a, a subpoena, like alongside that. And then DNI responded saying he's not required to do so because the subject of the complaint is not under the DNI and contains privileged information, which led Schiff and myself and many others to believe the complaint is about communications between the president and somebody else. And even though the president doesn't fall under the jurisdiction of the DNI, anything related to intelligence does. So Schiff subpoenaed the complaint from McGuire. It was due Tuesday night, and he 
sent him a letter saying, no, I'm not going to hand it over. And he also told him he needed to appear before the committee today, Thursday. But uh, as the deadline approached, Schiff got a letter from McGuire refusing to comply and refusing to testify, saying that uh, McGuire was too busy Mm. to come in on such short notice. And Mr. Schiff told CBS that the DNI had told him he was not providing the complaint because he's he's been instructed not to. Mm. And it it involves a higher authority, someone above the DNI, which is Trump, because the DNI is a cabinet-level position. McGuire also told Schiff that he made his own determination that the complaint is not urgent or credible or both, but by law, the DNI is not allowed to override the determination of the ICIG. It is what it is. Um, And so, therefore, by law, must be handed over to the HIPC within seven days. Um, So the letter sent to Schiff Tuesday night, uh, written by the general counsel for ODNI, Jason Klitenik, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, That letter says the complaint involves conduct by someone outside the IC and does not involve intel activity under the supervision of McGuire. Mr. Klitenik concluded that the complaint does not meet the legal definition of urgent concern uh, and that either the ICIG or the DNI could refer the complaint to another department or and relevant oversight committee. But the ICIG has already begun investigating that complaint. Uh, Mr. Klitenik wrote that um, McGuire would not appear Thursday in front of the committee because, as I said, he was not available on such short notice. Because what I don't know what is more important. Right. Also, it's like a pre-written complaint, right? <laughs> so you just have to simply deliver the message, it seems. Y- yeah. The, Maybe with some commentary or something. I don't know. He's not asking him to come give the explanation for the whole complaint and a full investigation about it or anything. Yeah, and he gave him 48 hours, which is usually, that's like the the typical amount of time of notice to appear. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually gave him more time than that because I think Schiff sent this letter September 9th, so it's been a while. Right. Um, but the subpoena came later, um, to be to be honest. So what could it be? Uh, could it be the IRS thing? Because as we know, a whistleblower from the IRS filed a complaint about inappropriate handling of the presidential tax audit program, and perhaps something in the tax returns deals with intelligence, such as having your loans co-signed by Russians, <laughs> which could be a national security threat. Uh, that was reported by someone in the IC um, to the inspector general, may, perhaps. Um, and may, Or maybe it has to do with communications to or from the president about moving forward with an indictment for Andy McCabe, uh, which would be of a national security interest. Mm. Uh, remember, it was around the time of the complaint, uh, which is August 12th, that two line prosecutors quit working on the case. Uh, you know, they quit and went into private practice. It was also around the time DNI Coates, Dan Coates, quit. His last day was August 15th, and the complaint was filed August 12th. So maybe it has something to do with the Trump directive to either fire Coates or not promote Sue Gordon, um, who also quit, or both. We really don't know. It could be anything that has anything to do with intelligence. And we, as we know, there's a massive ongoing uh, counterintelligence investigation into the administration. And I did have a whole story teed up about what Schiff's options would be if the DNI refused to appear. His four options, which included uh, a subpoena for the ICIG, uh, you know, subpoena the mm-hmm. subpoena the inspector general, and um, I had a whole I had a bunch of co- I called I spoke to Harry Littman, um, former I think assistant deputy attorney general, former U.S. prosecutor, about which of the options would be most likely. But breaking news: the acting DNI Joseph McGuire will testify publicly before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence on September 26th, and the ICIG will testify in closed session tomorrow. Damn about well, that about this. Damn specifically. Well, that person's probably more credible anyway. What's that person's name again? Uh, the ICIG? Yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Get in there, buddy. <laughs> Put me in, coach. couple yeah, of things. Hope to- you're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Well, he did make the referral. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And then he did tell Schiff that he made the referral. Did you get it? 
you know, <laughs> from the DNI. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if, you know who he is, if he's an Obama holdover, or if he's been appointed by Trump. I, I honestly don't know if he's a career professional or some, you know, swampy fella. I couldn't name I, a single Obama, like, leftover. Horowitz. That's true. That's the only one. I that... should have known. He's the only one that uh, I'm not furious at constantly. Yeah. Although, apparently, according to Andy McCabe, the entire Inspector General report from the DOJ IG Horowitz is missing and inaccurate and mm. has a bunch of omissions. So, yeah. Um, I've not been... saying he's perfect. No. <laughs> I've been told not to trust that IG. But, yeah. But, I mean, like his Comey stuff could have been a lot more damning if he was super compromised. Yeah, he did. He did say that uh, you know Comey was unbiased and, and didn't commit a crime, uh, even though it was referred to OPR and then on to Department of Justice, who decided not to bring charges. And then, of course, there's the um, the what was the other? Oh, the nope, that was the Department of Homeland Security IG. Uh, but uh, he also uh, struck and page the text from struck and page. He said that there there was no bias. Um, Mm-hmm. evident in right. in their work product too so he has done a good job so far in that but apparently the mccabe ig report is mm-hmm. trash yeah um but yeah i'm interested to know but we aren't going to probably find out what this is about i just want everybody to know that these are you know this is handed over in secrecy uh it's likely classified information it's intelligence related so i i don't think we're gonna know what the whistleblower complaint is about Mm -hmm. uh if we do it might just be up to journalists uh, and leakers to get it out to the public yeah it's kind of annoying that we know this much but we won't know the end (laughs) the end of it it's like kind of just rather not know in the first place and if we're not going to find out maybe somebody will decide that it's in the public interest and release a redacted version Mm mm-hmm uh, but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, because this is not a thing that would respond to public pressure or mounting public pressure to hear what happened or anything. They usually have really strong standards for that kind of stuff. What's classified and what isn't. True, and um, same with like grand jury material, mm-hmm. um, super secret, and that's why the the whole grand jury thing with the Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, uh, where that federal grand jury or not federal, where that state grand jury subpoenaed. Trump's tax returns from Mazars is different from the congressional subpoena of the tax information from Mazars because because it's because Trump can't argue it could damage him because mm-hmm. it's 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 you know um, it has to be on in grand jury secrecy rules uh, apply to that so I don't know we'll see yeah what do you think Mandy I, I was just kind of zoning out there for a minute and thinking about the interview with Ed Snowden that I watched today about whistleblowing <laughs> and just sort of how it's like the six year anniversary of that. And he's releasing the book. And I think the Trump administration is suing him for the book. Yeah, so, I saw slight tangent about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'd be curious to see. I mean, it, obviously, we're not going to find out through the, you know, through the government. But I'd be curious to see if any journalists release anything on this. <laughs> yeah. Or any staff members that are uh, present in the ICIG testimony tomorrow behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Sometimes that can get out. Um, I, I don't want to damage national security. I don't Obviously want everybody to think I'm rooting for it, but I really want to know what it is. It's mm-hmm. curiosity. It is. It, and and it's, it's of urgent. It's urgent. Yeah. And credible. Right. I am glad that we know, though, that someone tried to shut it down, that <clears throat> they tried to shut the transparency down. Trump. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe even Barr, because I, I remember reading that McGuire contacted the Department of Justice to ask what to do about it. Mm. And um, they told him not to, mm-hmm. you know, there was probably some sort of McGuire contacted the 
Department of Justice. That person contacted Barr. Barr contacted Trump. Trump told Barr what to say. It was probably some weird mm-hmm. telephone thing. It's it's really wild how we keep discovering new ways in which the Trump administration is like refusing to be transparent about anything and how it's like testing all of our like legal and governmental systems like every single day. Like you think how, you know, like how is it possible that this person can't show up for this or not release this paper or not answer this question or, you know, not follow the usual protocols. And it's like, I think we literally talked about this yesterday, but it's like every day, like my sense of shock is renewed that Mm -hmm. like no one is being made to follow normal protocols. Well, I think in this case, the DNI might have recognized, or at least the ICIG, you probably recognize that this is a, an open and shut case. And while it could be appealed and set up to the D.C. District Court and then maybe set up to SCOTUS, they would ultimately lose. And mm-hmm. it would probably reach an, a merits argument by f- fall. Uh, and, and it you know, because I, th- I think Swalwell came on TV today earlier, about an hour before this announcement was made and said, and he's on the Intel Committee, mm-hmm. so it, it, he would have known if at that moment when he said this, that he had agreed to testify. But he said, if you're listening to this, do the right thing. We will win. This is a black and white legal case, a lot like the House Ways and Means case uh, against the Department of Treasury and the IRS. Mm -hmm. We will win that case. And it will get to the merits by Halloween, which is super fast. Um, Both parties agreed to this quick schedule. Although I think the DOJ tried to file an amicus brief saying, slow down. (laughs) What's your hurry? (laughs) Come on now. Slow it down. Um, (laughs) Was that an impression of anyone in particular? Uh, Yes. And this is going to sound weird. (laughs) I play Dungeons and Dragons and there's a turtle named Gonk who talks like that. Is it Jesse? No, it's uh, oh, my, like it's my friend Kelly. Yeah, Jesse is a, a a cow, half cow, half man nice. named named Chud Bingsley. <laughs> Chud. I'm Chud Bingsley. Chud, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this the turtle. Hey, everybody, he's just oh, slow it down. I thought maybe that was your impression of Turtle Dick Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> my my impression of Mitch is more like Droopy Dog. <laughs> Even though I don't, I don't know if he's on the Ways and Means Committee. Nobody likes me. <laughs> Um, Mitch 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 just like fucks everything up so quickly though he's like the quickest turtle (laughs) have you seen that video of the fast turtle no google it does he go fast he goes so fast or scary really yeah I'm not sure the gender of the turtle or how how the turtle identifies however it's just sitting there and then pew it takes off so fast it freaked me out change everything you know yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. the tortoise and the tortoise crazy (laughs) All right, we will be uh, right back, 60 seconds max, with more headlines. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, it's AG from Daily Beans. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Do you need a therapist, but you're unable to afford health care? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in a whole host of issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and even trouble in relationships. And you can connect with your counselor in a safe and private online environment, and anything you share is confidential. It's also extremely convenient. One of the biggest barriers to care is access to care, which includes the ability to travel to the provider. But with BetterHelp, you can get assistance on your own time in the comfort of your own home by scheduling secure video or phone sessions, or you can even chat or text with your professional counselor from anywhere. And if you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. 
Best of all, it's truly affordable. And for Daily Beans listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month with discount code DAILYBEANS. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Simply fill out the questionnaire and you'll be matched with a counselor that you'll love. So that's, again, one more time, betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're so glad you're listening. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate that and all the kind words of support we've been getting. It's it's truly incredible to have this community of, of just supportive people. I can't tell you how good that is for our mental health, and I hope it's good for yours, too. Um, anyway, this is an interesting story. Econ school dropout and Trump's Fed chair, Jerome Powell, <laughs> announced an interest rate cut today of a quarter of a point, seemingly under pressure from Trump, who's been blaming the slow economy on the feds instead of his tariffs uh, and the slowing of you know job growth and the slowing of GDP. The thing is, you cut interest rates when the economy isn't doing so great. So either the economy is not doing so great and Trump's lying about it, uh, and there have been clear signs that it's not doing great, including the, what I was just mentioning, the, the, slow, the slowing of job growth. Um, we only added 130,000 jobs, and I think 25,000 were temporary census jobs last month. Uh, and also the wages are stagnant. And also the inverted yield curve that shows it's cheaper to borrow short term than long term, which has been a classic sign of a, of a you know, looming recession. So you can't say you have an amazing economy and push the Fed to cut rates. Well, you can, but you will then create inflation. And uh, after the rate cut, Trump tweeted, Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve fail again. No guts, no sense, no vision. A terrible communicator. Um, and that tweet seems to indicate Trump thinks Powell didn't cut rates enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, likely because he needs to prop up the hobbling economy just long enough to get him over the election finish line. Uh, if the economy is booming, you raise interest rates to prevent inflation. That's how any some some guy, some talking head was on um, one of the news shows today. He's like, even my Econ 101 students know that. Like <laughs> everybody, I'm I'm not Econ and I know that, you know. It's just it's an interesting strategy, but it makes sense because we've talked about this a lot a lot now. He'll threaten tariffs, pull them back, threaten tariffs, pull them back, cause volatility in the stock market, blame the feds and cut rates. Mm -hmm. And that will boost that will keep the economy kind of at its plateau where it's at chugging along until eventually the bubble's going to burst. And he's just hoping it doesn't before the election, because that's really all he has. So just blame Obama. (laughs) Yeah. It's a thin veneer of success like every other one of his business ventures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trump steaks, Trump University, Trump water. Trump economy. It's booming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you bought, if you bought his steaks, you'd buy his good economy. Was that actually a thing? Trump steaks? Oh, yeah. They oh. were terrible. Have you not seen? No. It's terrifying. Yeah. Like oh. deliver cow to your door steaks? Yeah. Oh I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a delivery service. I think it was like they sold them in restaurants, but... Here. Not like pitch a tent when you're hiding out against your government <laughs> stakes. No, yeah, no, not like oh stakes through the heart. Oh my god, stakes. Trump stakes! I just showed Jordan Trump stakes. <laughs> oh Google image god. Trump stakes so you can see. That looks like a flyer for the worst movie ever. <laughs> let me see it. Let me see it. The one on the top left. Oh my god! Yeah, in a world <laughs> yeah. where, where Trump has stakes, where Trump doesn't make stakes, <laughs> here comes Trump and he makes stakes. <laughs> Starring Steak. <laughs> Donald Trump. Starring Steak. He's making the same face he's making in the Taco Bowl picture. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Do you remember the Taco Bowl yeah, picture? I, I love Mexicans. Yeah, when he was, I think he was on Air Force One eating a Taco Bowl, and he's like, uh, look, look how much I love the Hispanic. 
Oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> so the economy is not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh. All right, also in the news Wednesday, uh, in a story by Politico's Natasha Bertrand. You know, she's been breaking open this whole Turnberry story. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, we do want to mention that um, there's there's more to this story um, surrounding it regarding, you know, operations with uh, Israel and stuff like that. It's all in Seth Abramson's book, Proof of Conspiracy. Uh, he wants to check out his threads on this. He wants you to make sure that the story is sort of put in context of the entire sort of, you know, operation of, you know, Trump trying to prop up his properties uh, since before, you know, the election. Uh, he just wants to make sure that you, you're looking into that. So. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up, but in Natasha Bertrand reports Wednesday, new documents provided to the House Oversight Committee from the Pentagon suggest that the vast majority of military stays at Trump's Turnberry Resort have occurred since Trump took office. They have spent nearly $200,000 there, which is the equivalent of 650 rooms since August 2017, or the equivalent of one room every night for more than a year and a half. And that's according to the Department of Defense. So we'll keep you apprised as this investigation continues to God unfold. Damn. Well, there we go. We were wondering how many of it happened in <clears throat> recent times, and now we know. Yeah, about uh, two, two, three hundred thousand, 300,000. 184,000, I think, last count. Dollars. How is this legal? <laughs> it is not. Um, and uh, again, Trump has ties to this prior to him becoming president, but a lot of it had to do with how he became president. So definitely check out Proof of Conspiracy. I thought that you had to divest, though, from personal gains. That is a norm. It's an ethical norm. It is not a law. Poor Jimmy Carter. I know. He didn't have to give up his peanut farm after all. So then the emoluments clause entailing domestic entities as well. How, why wouldn't that apply to this? Well, I think that's why people divest. Um, so in fear of that being tried in a court of law? Yep. That's what, it, that would be my guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Most people divest into what's called a blind trust. Um, and, and we thought that Trump was going to do that because he had, he had hinted that, yeah, I'm just going to, I'll divest to a blind trust. Right. It'll be, but like, that'll, that'll be run by my decisions or whatever. That'll be run by my sons. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, a blind trust run by your sons, motherfucker. No. Yeah. Also, your sons that are constantly in the White House every day yeah. still with security clearances. Your ear constantly. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. You divest to a blind trust. You hire somebody that you don't know to manage that while you're president and then mm-hmm. when you're done you can be not blind anymore i don't know if you're going to bring this up and i'm sorry if i take the wind out of your sails did you see the car that crashed into the lobby no the trump lobby no there was a car i don't know how it didn't make more news <laughs> but someone drove their car into the trump lobby in new rochelle and then just got out of the car and sat on a couch in the lobby <laughs> Oh, my God. So I don't know, like, if they were drunk or what happened. No one was hurt, apparently, like, seriously. Um, Is this, like, a hotel? Is this one of his hotels? It's, like, yeah, like, a huge property that's got, like, apartments and lofts and stuff like that. One of his money back for the stake. In in New York. Yeah. A black Mercedes-Benz crashed into the lobby of the Trump Plaza in New Rochelle, New York, Tuesday, uh, injuring the driver and one other person, but... And it's nowhere on the news. And it literally just burst into the <laughs> lobby, dude. Just like through all the windows in the middle of the freaking marble floor. Just like <laughs> completely inside the lobby. <laughs> Maybe he can use some of his Turnberry money to fix up his lobby in New York. <laughs> yeah. One witness said the driver of the vehicle got out of the car following the crash and sat on a sofa in the lobby. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. A Trump couch or... <laughs> 
No, it's like a reptilian mm. couch. Oh, like a Manafort jacket mm-hmm. couch. A lizard couch. <laughs> they took all Manafort's clothes and made couches out of them. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. Wow, no, I didn't know that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing Yeah, that. you're welcome, yeah. <clears throat> uh, also, a press release from uh, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro has announced charges against Pennsylvania State Senator Michael Fulmer for possession of child pornography. The investigation was kicked off by a tip provided by Tumblr, when uh, they saw somebody upload images of child pornography and, and traced it to this guy's house. That led to a search warrant of Fulmer's home executed by Lebanon City Police, uh, the Office of the Attorney General, and United States Department of Homeland Security. That search uncovered images of child pornography on the defendant's phone. Fulmer, a Republican, resigned Wednesday from the state Senate amidst the accusations, and a preliminary hearing is scheduled for September 26th. He's being charged with sexual abuse of children, possession of child pornography, and criminal use of a communication facility. Gross. Yep. So there's that. Yeah. This is, like, so much more rampant than we... uh, I mean, I guess with everything that's happened in the last few years with Me Too and, like, more and more allegations coming to light um, and more people being charged, it's not like we don't talk about it, but it's still so much more rampant than we could possibly imagine. Yeah. Mm. There's going to be like a new hashtag movement called Me3 and it's all just three-year-olds. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke. That's a really good joke, but oh, my God. (laughs) Dark humor brought to you by Jordan Coburn. You can take that out if you want to. No, I'm leaving that in. You you get the emails, Hashtag Me3. Get it? Because they're saying like, I'm three, but they're three, so they can't speak English well, so they say Me3. Oh, Oh, man. <laughs> they're three years old. Uh, How many are you? Yeah, I me three. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I like that you put the just kidding at the end. Uh, Three-year-olds yeah. have not been the victims yet, so in, in it's Nader's just case, a joke. In oh, Nader's God, case, they were. Gross. Uh, and we've got some news coming up on him at the end. I Fantastic. If uh, anyone wants to write me emails, I was molested, so... I feel like I'm allowed to make that joke. <laughs> start there. Let's start with that. Uh, but hey, hats off to Tumblr. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, for for catching this and for alerting the authorities, and yeah. then hats off to the authorities for coming together, executing the search warrant, and totally. finding these images. Yeah, Tumblr's been cracking down super hard on their website. What's interesting mm. to me is that that if if or what, at least from what I've seen from like when I was back in high school. Yeah, they they yeah a lot of like. Porn tube, I think, said, "Take come over to us because they're not letting that ex- sexually explicit stuff be on their website. But uh, if you think about this, if the charges are, um, it's not just possession of child pornography. They found child porn- pornography on his phone, but they're also charging him with sexual abuse of children and uh, criminal use of communication facility. But the sexual abuse of children makes me think that the photos of child pornography on his phone have him in them as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would definitely be a good estimate, um, in my opinion. But uh, kind of leaving back to what you said about Tumblr and them cracking down, it's great that they're alerting authorities to instances of abuse and child pornography and those sorts of things that should be investigated. But unfortunately, also because of the FOSTA-SESTA laws, um, Tumblr has had to remove sexual content, you know, that consenting adults are posting. And like lots of corners of the Internet have had to like essentially, you know, scrub themselves of any kind of sexual content Um and that, I think that's somewhat unfortunate. And I think that like people are losing creative, expressive spaces in which to be sexual on the internet um, because of these like r- really restrictive laws, which were designed to protect people, but are also unfortunately 
uh, affecting society in other ways. Well, yeah, the unintended consequences consequences yeah. is that it pushes them into um, darkness, but, yeah. and therefore now there's a black market. Right. Yeah. But I think the issue on top of sex work being facilitated on websites or or sexual expression all of these really more insidious mm-hmm. and criminal behaviors were slipping in as well. Absolutely. Which I know is like part of why they wanted to crack down on it too. But mm-hmm. yeah, then you just, like you said, create more of a black market. Yeah. And, and then, you know, had Tumblr not done that and they still allowed their sexually explicit content, mm-hmm. I, you know, you're not going to not be able to f- find child pornography that gets uploaded on there. You'd mm-hmm. still be able to do that, at least in theory, and crack down on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I at least would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There's also that. Um, but Good on these tech companies, though. I think like it, it's important that technology companies you know, uh, have a great relationship with authorities when it comes to stuff like this. So good on Tumblr. And you know, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it was kind of like the opposite of, remember when I think, was it Google or Apple who refused to unlock their phones that were seized during searches? Oh, I think it was Apple? I think it was Apple. Yeah. yeah. yeah They're like, yeah, no, we're so. not giving you the technology to decrypt our our phones from yeah. pe- for people that you find we think that that violates the first amendment mm-hmm. uh, but then you know i'm hoping that eventually someday in the not too distant future when we have more millennials and um also gen xers who are really tech savvy like the andrew yang is a gen xer so i shouldn't just you know reduce it to just millennials but when we have more people in congress who are really tech savvy i'm hoping that we see better laws around this sorts of thing around the internet and privacy and content and all that sort of thing because right now it's sort of they're trying but it's a mess because a lot of people in congress are I don't know, low-key tool to understand. <laughs> no offense. That, uh, Please don't email us about that. <laughs> that, but also the the speed with which technology has advanced is yeah. nearly impossible to keep up with that clip in writing laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it can't be that, you know, back when it was books and newspapers mm-hmm. and then magazines and then Betamax videos and then DVDs and then cassette tapes. It's a little easier to regulate mm-hmm. because it's so slow. It moves so slow. Mm-hmm. It moves so slowly. Excuse me. I'm, I'm angry about the death of adverbs. It moves so slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is just, it's so massive that I, I can't even imagine having to sit and try to figure out how to regulate Mm. certain parts of the internet or the internet as a whole or, or, or that kind of technology because you're just like where do I even start it's like walking into a hoarder's house and being like okay we need to clean up but where do I begin I'd love to see more people more you know uh, ethical people with who's harder in the right place from Silicon Valley try to get into into politics I, so, yeah, I would too yeah so that'd be great so like I, Andrew Yang I know you're not one of the top three but I think you're awesome and thank you for bringing these issues to light yeah <laughs> And I want my thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I want my thousand dollars. <laughs> I want my thousand dollars from Better Off Dead. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back. Quick 60 seconds. Stick around. More headlines. Daily Beans would like to thank Beta Brand for making the most amazing and most comfortable pair of pants ever and having the friendliest staff members of all time. Two big takeaways from being on the road for me are one, Beta Brand offices and the people who work there are incredible, and two, the dress pant yoga pants pack and travel as well as the podcast. They have four styles, the crop, boot cut, skinny, and straight leg. They don't wrinkle. They're as comfortable as yoga pants, but with dressy details like real buttons, belt loops, real pockets, and faux zippers. They're made of four-way stretch knit fabric that has like a good heft and a lot of support. And I can wear them in front of former U.S. attorneys and then go out uh, you know, on nights with our patrons. It's, they're wonderful. Uh, but before Beta Brand, I had to buy my suiting from the regular places, and they didn't stretch, they didn't breathe, they had itchy tags. I was constantly reminded of my pants. I was always aware of my pants instead of 
you know, being aware of my work and what I was doing because they were so uncomfortable. But with beta brand dress pants, yoga pants being so amazing, I can focus on my life without having to worry about how awesome I look. So I can't say enough wonderful things about these pants. So head to betabrand.com slash dailybeans, all lowercase, to get 20% off your first pair. That's betabrand.com slash dailybeans for 20% off the most comfortable pants you'll ever own. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for that. Uh, let's see here. Secretary Pompeo. Mike Pompeo sat down with Mohammed Bonesaw, also known as Mohammed bin Salman, the head of Saudi Arabia today, as he called the oil attack on Saudi Arabia an act of war after the Saudis held a press conference to show off drones and weaponry they recovered from the oil fields, saying that they clearly come from Iran. But he stopped short. Um, the Saudis stopped short of directly blaming Iran for the attacks. And that's an important omission. And according to uh, Stephen Cook, uh, he's a senior fellow for Middle Eastern Studies and Council of Foreign Relations, says it's clear the Saudis are hedging because um, it's, it becomes clear the U.S. isn't prepared to do much more than increase sanctions on Iran. But if the U.S. were to take the lead, you'd see the Saudis perhaps directly blaming Iran for this. But while Pompeo is calling the attack an act of war, Lindsey Graham is back in the U.S. saying he wants an unequivocal response or all hell will break loose in the Middle East. Trump is actually saying, ask Lindsay how it went in Iraq and ask Lindsay how it went in Afghanistan and says he has a disagreement on using force, though he won't he won't take war off the table. But sources are now saying the Saudis told the administration in last August not to start a war with Iran and may be providing cover for the Trump administration for not starting a war. Mm. Interesting, right? Yeah. Like, Trump was like, hey, tell, you know, help me not start a war with Iran. God, yeah, he's not qualified to start a freaking war. He knows that. <laughs> yeah. And- I can't oversee this shit. But he did announce new sanctions today um, based on these attacks. Yeah. I mean, there has been kind of a through line for him, aside from all of his blatant escalations just verbally and on Twitter. But he has been pretty anti-war this whole time. That is something that I have to, I, I hesitate to say, have to not credit hate. for. But <laughs> yeah. You have to not hate that. Right. Like his messaging is fairly consistent, except for all of the like, we will, we're not afraid to like whatever attack back or some shit yeah but, but i mean he he has said fire and fury the likes of which you've never seen right and blah 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 so he gets to bolster and then yes. he gets to use saudi arabia telling him not to start a war as an excuse not to start a war to calm his base yes he does and when yeah it's so interesting though because it's like his base is a lot of like warmongering nationalists you know but he somehow has like slipped in this get out of Afghanistan talking point and like start no more wars kind of thing. It's very interesting. It is it is an odd position for a Republican to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's sort of like an attempt for him to walk the line between the like wildly nationalist part of his base and then the like slightly more moderate Rust Belt sort of Midwestern used to be a Democrat slightly less hardcore he's gonna have a hard time this time around especially if you're watching these mm-hmm. i know you you were you were talking to me about um your thoughts on the gm strike yeah and how big that is that's right in that belt and that's one of the states that uh, he lost or that he won like barely yeah and it's sort of like I, I don't know if i would call those people his base per se because those are the people that he stands to easily more easily lose you know, like people in Michigan, for example, the general motor strike, that's like what the biggest union strike in decades or something. And I think Bernie is the biggest supporter of that. And Michigan is a really important state for Trump. So like, I don't know, maybe some of his anti-war, more middle of the road, moderate positions on certain things are for that reason. Yeah. That's my beans. But also a lot of people from that Rust Belt join the military. And True. they might be tired of these endless wars as well. That, that might be the reason for the tack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, talking, of, speaking of weapons of war, <laughs> apparently uh, William Barr is circulating a one-page document about gun reform, and he's shopping it around on Capitol Hill with lawmakers, and it calls for expanded background checks, even at gun shows. Uh, and that's great, but there's a dose of cautious optimism uh, with all these lawmakers, like, yeah, whatever, bro, because McConnell has refused to bring anything to the floor, even for debate, not even for a vote, just even to debate it, uh, that Trump himself hasn't agreed to. And I think Trump is too weak to lead on this mm-hmm. because of the NRA. If 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 Trump actually came out and said, I'm going to do gun reform, I'm going to do common sense gun reform, I'm not going to take your guns, but I'm going to expand universal background checks, et, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, terrorists can't have guns, uh, blah, blah, blah. If he led on that, McConnell would say, OK, he'll sign that bill and then they might be able to work on legislation. Uh, but I don't think he can do that i think he's bought and paid for by the nra i mean what was it 30 million dollars they donated to his campaign to trump's campaign yeah but with the nra going under maybe trump will be like i don't care about them anymore Mm -hmm. but it is it is one of his ways to funnel russian money into his 2020 election too so (laughs) that could be a problem yeah he'd have to set up a whole new they'd be really stupid to go back to that watering hole he'd have to set up a whole new racket he might be doing that yeah it's really frustrating when you see that like a majority of the american public is is all united on an issue i think correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like the majority maybe it, it not much over 50 but at least the majority of the country is behind background checks oh it's now. like 87 okay. percent. it's mm-hmm. really high right mm-hmm. so it's really high and so it's really super frustrating that on an issue like this where so many people no matter if you're an independent a democrat or a republican uh or a canadian like me <laughs> uh that we're all united and they and rather than you know listen to us or or do anything about it it's there plus too it's like he's bought and paid for but also he's still trying to appeal to the most staunch gun supporters in his base yeah but he could actually appeal to the suburban audience the suburban women um who are waffling now on him because Mm -hmm. of the you know the me too stuff and the and the gun stuff yeah who want to protect their children (laughs) yeah yeah um and that would be a way to win them back without having to use the nra to get their votes Mm mm-hmm it's like what matters more the nra money or you know or this could be a good move for him not that i'm suggesting i want to help trump's 2020 election campaign but like what i'm saying everyone is united on the gun issue like maybe it's bad not to at this point yeah um i think too like the funding that mitch mcconnell gets from the nra has much more of an impact on his senate campaign versus Mm. what trump would be getting from like a failing nra Mm. you know for a presidential campaign but i do think that he's still beholden to them because of all the connections with his base but I think that every time there's a mass shooting, he comes out more and more increasingly in support of things like background checks and, you know, okay, maybe it is time to actually look at these laws or whatever. And then a couple weeks goes by and then he just doesn't, he fails to deliver on any of that. So uh, this is really sad and depressing to think about, but I do notice with each shooting, he gets closer and closer to actually seeming like yeah. he's going to do something. So and with- I imagine Ivanka's in his ear about that too. When I see uh, Mitch McConnell say, oh, I can't, I'm not going to even vote on anything until Trump says that he's in support of it. It makes me feel like you did yesterday watching Corey Lewandowski's testimony where you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, God damn it. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. You could just lead on this if you would lead on this. Yeah. Um, And, you know, who knows what's keeping him from doing it? Super space beans, maybe Butina got some compromise from the Kremlin on Trump and delivered it to the NRA. And now the NRA has leverage over Trump with compromise, not just money. Who, who? Knows, yeah, uh, I don't but know. but they the Russia spent Russia spent a lot of time infiltrating the NRA. 
I mean, the thing is, too, considering the NRA is like financially <laughs> failing right now, it's like we know that Trump mostly aligns himself to people who are, you know, financially advantageous to him. So it's like, what could it be that's preventing him from taking action on guns when they don't have any money and most people want him to take action, at least something, at least yeah. background checks? Like, what is it? Yeah, I could also see him, to your point, being like, fuck the NRA. I don't need the NRA. I could do this on my own. And then like stepping away from them and doing something that might make him more popular with the 80 whatever percent of Americans that are for expanded background checks. Who knows? But it, then you're right, though. It could alienate his super pro gun base. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Kamala Harris on Jimmy Fallon the other night? No, I missed it. She was on like a couple nights ago. And they have it's a full college night. So it's all these college kids from local New York cities. And they let <laughs> colleges um, and then <laughs> and they let they let three people ask a question and the second kid asks this question about guns and he very clearly is like a gun supporting fuckhead and he asks Kamala this question he goes you know what do you think about banning assault rifles and puts assault in air quotes <laughs> air quotes mm. and then he says and what do you think about that as being an infringement on the second amendment and she gives her answer which obviously is like this is fucked up we're gonna ban assault weapons and we need a buyback program and all this stuff and then he sits down and they show an image of this of the crowd and the entire crowd is just erupted in applause and mm-hmm. it's just this one kid sitting there with his <laughs> arms crossed. <laughs> just, <Man. laughs> it's so funny. I Man, get a new hobby, it. you know? <laughs> yeah. Just get a new hobby. Why are you so addicted to this gun, This is particularly AR-15s? Like, why yeah. do you care so much about this one gun? Right, and in New York City. <clears throat> where are you shooting it, dude? Yeah, they're not open carry, I don't think. At least not with those kind of guns. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time for a little Schadenfreude. Do you know what Schadenfreude is? No, I do not know what Schadenfreude is. Please tell me because I'm dying to know. It's a German term for shameful joy. So today's Schadenfreude comes in the form of a headline from Consequences of Sound that reads SNL originally hired Shane Gillis to appeal to conservatives. He turned out to be a racist and a homophobe, though. <laughs> I like the though at the end. Mm-hmm. Though. So according to the article, sources have told Variety that Lorne Michaels and his co-workers were actively looking to cast a comedian for uh, the new season of Saturday Night Live who would appeal more to conservative viewers because the traditionally left-leaning show was hoping to bring some balance to their sketches. But apparently the internet did a better job of vetting Gillis than Saturday Night Live, which is also oddly common with Trump hires. Um, and it's it's well known, apparently, in comedic circles that Gillis throws around sexist, homophobic, and racist remarks. So... Obviously, the internet had a fit, and SNL fired him before they even hired him. I guess, yeah, yeah I guess they, I guess you can call it firing him because mm-hmm. they announced that they hired him and then they had to get rid of him. But um, a- apparently, what they're saying here is sources have said that it was to balance out the left leaning show. That's interesting. If I've learned anything from all of this, it's that SNL is not respected by comedians just across the board. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's insane. Everyone, every single comment is like just shitting on them and Lorne. Mm. Also, conservatives aren't funny. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> I'm gonna sad. S- I'm gonna say, I asked a headliner who was at one of Connor Lofman's shows the other night what he thought about it, and he reiterated something that I had also read, which is number one that apparently SNL asked him to write a better apology, and he said no, and that was what led to him getting fired. Ah, um, but that's hearsay. Yeah. Okay. But the other piece, Jordan sources. Yes. But the other, the other thing that I heard is that he's been apparently banned from like comedy clubs in Philly and stuff for the same shit. Yeah. That that's kind of what these comics were saying. It's like widely known in the circles that he says this shit, and he's he's been banned from a few places. Yeah. 
This reminds me of a couple years ago, um, Ashton Kutcher was like, I'm going to make this show called The Ranch to appeal to like, oh, you know, Midwestern people and like people away from the coast. And I always make content for people on the coast. And I want to make this show that like appeals to like, you know, middle God, America. I watched five minutes of it and it was terrible. Yeah. My point exactly. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> there is the... Sorry, people in What was that uh, right-wing comedy tour? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The, the fucking... Jeez. What is that right called? comedy... Yeah. Showdown... It's just like a variety showcase of, of like, I, yeah, comics that like love Pro Trump. Trump com- yeah. Conservative comedians always have this vibe about them that the only way... Or the male ones... Uh, apologies the cis male male comedians conservative comedians have a vibe about them that they only know how to like jackhammer in missionary position <laughs> as their sexual skill and I don't know why I brought that up but I just <laughs> that's just the vibe I get from conservative that's comedians that's more intimate than I would give them credit for <laughs> <laughs> seeing a face that's a little too caring yeah no. anyway uh, I, w- I will say this though I've watched Shane Gillis' stand up and he is funny who? Shane Gillis. Oh, you have? Yeah, he's Damn funny. It. And I've also watched one of his sketches that was made a year ago, and it's him as a firefighter getting, like, canceled because he apparently, it, it's, you have to watch the sketch. It's fucking funny. All right. He's a funny person. That sucks. It does suck. <laughs> he's a funny person. His stand-up is not, like, the conservative right. comedy it's not tour. Like, yeah, no, he's yeah. like an actual comic. He's a funny person. Yeah, but he just happens to throw out sometimes. Right. Be better. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Okay. I don't need to cancel you if you like make an honest effort to be better and you like recognize where you can do better. Like comedy is not bad just because it offends someone. But if like racism and homophobia are just like the butt of your jokes, then it's bad. There's yeah. Difference. And if you're not making a joke from, yeah. from what I heard on the podcast where he was using racial epithets about Asians. Uh, I was like, there's no joke here. Right. It doesn't connect to like any sort of insight or anything. No, there's no setup. There's no punchline. Right. He's just saying terrible shit about a group of people and using a, a racial um, epithet to do it. Right. Man. Yeah, because a lot of people in comedy, <clears throat> they, they say stuff that sounds fucking horrible. But if you actually are sort of plugged into what they're doing, you'll number one, know that they're probably a very liberal person because most comics are. And number two, they're saying this ironically and they're portraying a character ironically, not to be lifted up, but to further exemplify the absurdity of a lot of these things. To point out how dumb it is to perhaps use a word. Yeah. Uh, you have to say the word in order to to get that point across. Yeah. Um, but context is very important. Nuance is very important. And I, I don't think that PC culture is killing comedy. I think the lack of nuance and understanding of irony is, is what is what could be doing it in certain instances, right. but not everywhere. And, and this doesn't fall into that category, I don't think. Yeah, I, it just sounds, with all the more like details that are coming out about it too, it just seems more and more like it's kind of, eh. Yep. Yeah. All right, a uh, quick word. We'll be back with, uh, what do we have? Um, final thoughts and hashtag. Did we do that already? We did not. All right, hashtag final thoughts. Just give me a, like one minute. Daily Beans is brought to you by Privacy.com. Privacy.com lets you buy things online using virtual card numbers instead of real ones, protecting your identity and bank information on the internet. 
perhaps Manafort should have used this service when buying his ostrich and lizard coats. But anytime we shop online, uh, we're handing out our personal information to merchants and data partners. And that often happens without our permission, or it's like buried deep in some terms of service that you don't have time to read because it's 8,000 pages. But privacy.com is a free tool that helps you manage your finances online without sharing your actual banking information. It basically encrypts your information using virtual card numbers so you don't have to change your card everywhere if one gets hacked. And that's what got me into it, the convenience and the security. I also love that I can set limits with merchants so I don't blow my life savings and Roth IRA ordering Postmates online. Plus, unlike credit cards, privacy.com doesn't sell your data to huge vendors. And that's really big to me. So head to privacy.com slash dailybeans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S, to sign up and start shopping. Uh, and as a special offer for our listeners, new customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Yep, that's free money to use on any online purchase. So go to privacy.com slash dailybeans and sign up now. All right, I got a Flynn update for you. You ready? Yes. The judge, Sullivan, yes. The judge, <laughs> hello. The judge in Michael Flynn's case has filed a minute order uh, Wednesday that pushes back the hearing on Flynn's prosecutorial misconduct claims. You know, the one where they, you know, uh, Sidney Powell creeps on a mission lady said that mm-hmm. Mueller had egregious, the government has egregious misconduct from the government. So that was supposed to be October 31st, and she, she's pushed it, or he's pushed it back to November 5th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Eastern time. This move is due to conflicts with the court schedule, nothing nefarious or weird going on here. Uh, that's according to the order, and the court regrets any inconvenience to the parties. So now uh, the Flynn hearing is going to be on the same day that the Roger Stone's trial starts, which is mm. two days before our Mueller She Wrote show oh God, goes live time. in Boston. I know. Every time we have the craziest shit before our live events. I know. Mueller report drops, Mueller testimony, now this, um, Stone trial two days before. God, if they push it back to the 7th, I'm going to freak out. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, The Pentagon is warning of dire outcomes if the military construction projects that Trump pillaged for his wall don't happen. The warnings are actually contained in mostly public Department of Defense budget requests sent to lawmakers over the past three years that warn of potentially hazardous living conditions for troops and their families, as well as unsafe schools that would impede learning. And this is according to the Washington Post Wednesday, which has done a, like a deep dig into these budget requests. And it says the Pentagon is warning that lives will be put in risk if these buildings don't meet Department of Defense standards for fire safety or ordinance management. And ordinance management is explosives. <laughs> God. <clears throat> so it's, it's this kind of the stuff we already knew. But if you check out this Washington Post article, you'll get all of the things that the, the Pentagon and the DOD put in their budget saying, you know, as to that basically justifies the need for this money mm-hmm. for these construction projects. I mm-hmm. think there are 146 of them, or 126. A lot. There's a lot of them that are now going to be defunded. Mm. Um, putting troops and their families and children <sighs> at risk. Yeah, that's really sad. I hear a lot of firsthand stories from my sister, whose husband is a Marine, and just about how underfunded the most basic shit is for them. Like, people are dying in training. Yeah. Because they don't have... updated fucking airplanes Hmm. or like yeah or there was a lot of problem with uh ieds uh, a few years back because they didn't have the right armor on the bottom of their vehicles Mm -hmm. um and uh, yeah it's terrifying appropriation of funds that has to happen for us to have as big of a budget as we have for the military and still have catastrophic things happen well yeah the fraud waste and abuse and then not to mention the overpriced contracting things you know people who say oh you spent seven hundred dollars for a hammer 
for example. And then, you know, you throw this into the mix where they're pulling funds for construction of legitimate, you know, things on, on bases and at schools and in ordnance and explosive storage warehouses that are required for the safety of our troops. Mm-hmm. You're just pulling that money to build the wall. Trump's in San Diego today, by the way. Oh, God, I saw. And he he, he gave away uh, some. Uh, w- can you look that up real quick while mm-hmm. he gave away some like classified information as he was talking to somebody today and and said, you know, what do you think of this? And he was like, I don't think we should talk about that in public. <laughs> so he, here he is carelessly handling classified information again. God, I wish he would just take the pedestrian footbridge into TJ and see what the fuck happens. Yeah, just walk over, man. That would be great. I can't. Yeah, I can't find exactly what you're referencing, but um, but that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see here. Classified info, border wall, uh, border San Diego. Uh, he's of course um, fucked up traffic forever in Los mm-hmm. Angeles yesterday. He's raised about fifteen million dollars. Um, so there's that too. Uh, and uh, something about um, he, he presses his argument for cleaning up the homeless in in Los Angeles, but not because homelessness negatively impacts, you know, poor people, because it negatively impacts rich people. That was his argument. He's like, look at these beautiful homes. If it weren't for these homeless people, these people would be able to enjoy their property values and et cetera. So that that was really, but yeah, apparently he blabbed, he asked a question about something that was possibly or potentially classified to one of the people that was there with him today in San Diego. And the guy's like, yeah, I I don't think it would be good if we talked about that at this time i feel like he probably just like like uses i mean we know this he uses like super unsecure like 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 twitter dms to like communicate like super high and you know highly classified information with the people around him yeah and then there's also when he was at mar-a-lago with president xi jinping and we you know (sighs) bombed we sent 59 missiles over tomahawks cruise missiles and they're sitting there reading the brief and then there's people, people who the fuck we don't know behind them using their phone flashlights to light this briefing so he can read it to Xi Jinping or show it to him. Phones lit with that could just take pictures of this highly classified information. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool, bro. Uh, let's see here. Um, Trump has appointed top hostage negotiator Roger O'Brien as his fourth national security advisor, apparently because he looks good on television and says very nice things about Trump. I'm certain he has not been vetted and I await the findings of journalists and the Internet, which is the only real vetting system left uh, for U.S. Trump appointees. Yeah. Um, we did. A, I, I think I tweeted out like, you know, let's play the game. What's wrong with this one? And, mm-hmm. you know, is he a, is he a pedophile? Is he a did he beat his wife? Did he you know, is he spousal abuse? Um, you know, what tax fraud? Mm-hmm. Let's play. Is he drug dealer? Like like the um, Trump crony bingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wheel of misfortune, basically. <laughs> What's it going to be? And so um, people are putting their money down on that tweet. If you're, if you're interested, it'll be uh, nice to see him get fired in three weeks. Yeah, or withdraw Twitter. his appointment. <laughs> yeah. Because like, that happened with Ratcliffe. Remember uh-huh. when he tried to appoint Ratcliffe and started finding out really interesting shit about that guy? And he's like, nope, I, nope, never mind. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yep. It's like a weird hokey pokey. Almost pointless to even learn their names at this point. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I know. I'm sad. I feel that way about all my stepmoms. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was quite a few. And next on All My Stepmoms. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> How long is she going to stick around? 
<laughs> it's the it's the prequel to all my children. God. <laughs> that is the worst though, isn't it? Like they all try to come in and like be a motherly figure. Yeah, yeah I know. I just like, got the one. You can trust me, really. I'm not going anywhere. I don't believe you. Oh God, yeah. And then you're like in that weird position where you want to be like honest with them, but you can't establish any real emotional connection with them because they're gonna be gone in like six months. I feel you. I'm the fun. <laughs> I'm the fun mom. Like for Mean Girls. Yeah. If you want a drink, I really wish you would do it here. <laughs> do it under my roof. I'm the fun mom, right? Mm-hmm. What the haps? What's you the four one one? You can trust me. <laughs> Your dad is a great guy. You're lying. Just kidding, Dad. If you're listening, I really do love you. It's cool. We're we're good now. Yeah. Dad, if you're listening, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, let's let's get social. Hashtag. All right, trending now is hashtag Joe Kennedy, because about an hour ago, Democratic Representative Joe Kennedy III, grandson of Robert F. Kennedy from Massachusetts, announced he will formally launch a primary challenge to Senator Ed Markey this Saturday, according to sources. The run was scooped by the Boston Globe, a great local paper if you haven't subscribed, and they cited two sources close to Kennedy that said he'll announce at a breakfast this weekend, Saturday morning. Uh, the incumbent has been endorsed by progressive lawmakers, though. Uh, this is Markey. He's um, been endorsed by, uh, like, AOC. But uh, Kennedy apparently was encouraged to run by Kirsten Cinema. She's the Democrat that just won the seat in Arizona uh, in the 2018 midterm election. A recent poll from Suffolk County University and the Boston Globe has Kennedy leading Markey by double digits in a theoretical head-to-head matchup. Uh, I, I think a Kennedy in Massachusetts, you're kind of a shoe in. Yeah, you're kind of that a shoe in. Brand name <laughs> recognition going for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a dynasty. It's definitely a political dynasty. Um, so also hashtag karmic balance. Uh, it's not trending because we just started it. But basically what we're doing is every time Trump does something horrible, you do something kind and then tweet it out and tag at Mueller. She wrote tag at Daily Beans pod tag at Donald Trump. So he knows what you're doing in response to his shittiness uh, and use hashtag karmic balance. So, for example, uh, yesterday when we reported on the terrible racist shit he said against Latinx people in the New Mexico rally, um, I love my Hispanic or whatever the, the hell he said. It was terrible. Or the guy, he said, I couldn't even believe it because he looks like more of a wasp than I do. One of his Latinx supporters. Uh, in, in response to that, to balance the universe, we donated to Racy's Texas, which is an organization that helps bail out people who are awaiting their hearings, <clears throat> their immigration hearings, you know, they're at the border um, at these facilities. So concentration camps, if you will. Uh, let's call them what they are. So uh, we we did that. We tweeted it out. If you do anything like that, we'd love to get this movement going. Uh, we'd love to uh, be the del- deliverers of karma. We've already had some great responses from people just based off that little conversation we had yesterday. We got a message from Beth, one of our patrons. We love our patrons. And she said, I love this idea. I just use karmic balance as incentive to make a loan to a woman from a quote unquote shithole country. (laughs) And it feels like the biggest fuck you I could ever give to that asshole. Wonderful. So she gave a business loan uh, for a women-owned, women-run business. Yeah, we were going to do hashtag fuck you, hashtag asshole, but (laughs) (laughs) the problem with those is that they can't trend because according to Twitter's terms of services, you can't have you know profanity in your uh, hashtag if you wanted to trend. That's why hashtag pussy ass bitch never went anywhere. So that's why we changed it to hashtag PAB. Yeah. We got a couple more too. One one other one says, uh, this is an excellent idea to counteract feeling helpless. I agree. Uh, I donated today to uh, Fair Fight Action. We do have the power to enact change even if it's just a little bit at a time. So yeah, if you're feeling kind of like outraged and you want to like help yourself feel a little bit less numb, then direct your outrage at uh, giving your time or money to 
an, uh, an organization. Yeah. Every time Trump does something stupid, uh, you know, give a dollar, give five dollars to swing left or uh, races or um, that. What was the name of the foundation that you just said? Oh, uh, I think it was called Fair Fight Action. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything um, would be outstanding. Um, and yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. It kind of helps you feel less helpless. Yeah. A little bit less numb. You can do something with that feeling. I mean, Twitter is awesome. Like, keep tweeting, keep doing your social media activism. Like, hell yes. But if you just, like, need a little something else to, like, help you feel less numb, then, you know, direct your outrage. Karmic balance. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. I love it. Maybe if we get a massive thing going, we'll just have it donated to one our, place. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll put together a 501c3 real quick because it's super easy to do <laughs> uh, and and have everything in there. And then we'll allocate it to every everyone, all the pro, all the proceeds, 100 percent proceeds to to swing left and yeah. races. And plus, we're like loving your guys's ideas and suggestions for the organizations that, you know, need your time and money. ACLU is a mm-hmm. good one. Totally. Um, they're working really hard on our behalf. Actually, uh, yeah, they. Sorry, you yeah. saying that reminded me of you saying Snowden because apparently they're representing <laughs> Snowden. I think right now. Oh yeah, yeah. When I zoned out earlier and said mm, Edward Snowden. Yes, <laughs> the ACLU. Exactly. I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least they released an official statement. I think about yeah. him being uh, sort of in trouble with the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and anytime yeah. anyone gets in trouble with this government, <laughs> with this particular Department of Justice, I'm all, hmm, I don't trust it. So because, you know, we're talking about, we were talking about earlier, you know, the Snowden and the Russia ties and, and was it nefarious or was it an awesome thing? And mm-hmm. I, I tend to make my, dis- like, I tend to decide on propositions in in california based on who's funding them mm-hmm. i tend to decide whose criminal side i'm on whether or not william barr is prosecuting them <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of my uh, that's sort of my litmus test <laughs> uh runners up some good uh, hashtags people send to us uh negate the hate was good mm, crap and trade <laughs> crap and was trade. pretty funny sounds like a german industrial band <laughs> Come watch crap and trade. <laughs> to deflate the hate. Nice. We got a whole bunch of good ones. And anyway, deflate I'm just loving hate. all your guys's uh, your guys's tweets about about what you're doing. So, yeah, carry on. Wonderful. Thank you. And awesome. And uh, what to watch here? George Nader has a status update Monday at 10 a.m. and the case against him for child pornography and human trafficking. So we'll keep you posted on what happens then. Any final thoughts, you guys? Um, no, not really. Nope. Other than try to find yeah some some. Joy. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think this giving thing is really awesome. I think so, too. That's why that was on my mind as a closing thought, because it makes me feel better to think about that. I've been doing a little bit of extra yoga this week, a little bit of extra animal snuggles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of extra exfoliation. She has a schnoodle, by the way. I have a a schnoodle. schnoodle. And it's so ugly. I'm I'm kidding. It's literally one of the cutest dogs in the world. It's uh, right up there with Josh Campbell's corgis uh, in my book. And then, of course, Asha Rangappa's emergency kittens that she sends me from time to time. And, and of course, Podcat. But, oh, do you, Marley Moo? He's a schnoodle. I tweeted out a picture of him, so you can see that on my Twitter, at Mandy Reader. It's adorable. Nice. Adorable dog. All right. Anyway, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your dogs. Take care of your cats. Take care of the planet. I'm just going to keep adding to this list. What else did I say yesterday? Take care of... Mm. There was something else at the end. Take care of your taxes. Take care of your taxes. <laughs> it's, it's the season <laughs> if you filed for a, an extension. So that, that's now. Uh, all of you not procrastinators, <laughs> efficiency enthusiasts. Uh, although December is National Procrastination Awareness Month because... <laughs> 
It's December. Uh, anyway, yes, take care of all those things. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberg of Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com.